This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it. This episode does not contain spoilers, but does mention the Folk of the Air series, Supernatural, and The Changeling. There are also discussions surrounding body horror, suicide, gun violence, and sexual assault. For full list, please see show notes. everybody, and welcome to A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, your weekly deep dive into the YA literature and fandoms that we love. I'm Laura Marie. And I'm Jessica Marie. And today we are discussing House of Hollow by Crystal Sutherland. And I started pitching this for the podcast last summer when I read it, and I told you, Jess, Jessica Marie, to read this uh, traditionally, like a, yep. in a book, like in your hands type situation and not do an audio, which is something that we typically do. We do the audio, you know, we prefer that. Uh, and, and you went in almost completely blind here. Uh, the only thing that I told you was that it was modern day because you had, I, I would say like a belladonna kind of, maybe it was going to be that setting. So giving you those slight instructions how did your first read go it was that okay yeah i liked i like that i kind of got to visualize it and kind of define it's weird because sometimes a voice with the audio narrators kind of contributes to a character's personality and i feel like you've really got to see and understand the characters a little bit or understand at least their personality. And also just reading it, I was picking up on things that I probably would not have picked up on initially um, if I did the audio, uh, if I did the audio for this book first. If you do your reading through multiple styles, there there's some that you could do audio where you can, you really need to pay attention. Some you can be in and out. Um, that typically has, people have problems with that with just coming into the audio scene, having an ebook. I had a tradi- like I had the hard copy, found a really good deal for like six dollars. So I was I was in and I got to mark it up and do all the doodles. But I think it was really helpful to see things and be like, wait, what does this mean? Even with the letters, because we have a lot of letters and a lot of italics and a lot of like internal thoughts, having that in a like having that in a tradition reading it traditionally as opposed to trying to take that in through an audiobook was helpful for me. Also, this book is, I guess, spoiler, um, pretty graphic when it comes to body horror. So having that read to you uh, really hits you in a different way than reading it does. And it is, I'm, it's not like super graphic, but it is gross. So that is that is part of it too. Uh, I think we can start off by saying, Jess, did you did you like this book? I liked this book. I think, I mean, I had shared with you before we started recording that I stopped the book, looking through all my notes, 
And even through that, I feel like it was, it's sitting with me because I'm completely questioning kind of like you start questioning your ethics and where you might stand morally. I mean, one of the sisters completely morally gray because the way my pendulum went from back and forth and then kind of in the middle, like, wait, and then kind of asking myself different questions. I, I think. I think a book is good and a that when you have to sit with it and I know it needs to be reread knowing the things that we know. I mean, this was your fourth time. You read it twice last year, once this year, and then you finally only recently did the audio, right? I did. I just recently did the audio. I read this, like you said last summer, I really enjoyed it in print. I really liked having it in my hands looking at the words, kind of processing it that way, as opposed to having it read to me. Nothing to the narrator. She's she's lovely. It's a really good narrator. Uh, she skews young, which makes sense. Uh, Iris is our narrator, and narr- Iris is young. She's 17. But it, I don't know, it didn't hit as hard for me in audio as it did uh, traditionally. So that's kind of why I gave you that little caveat, like, do, do this uh, in print. I love this story. This story is is really special to me. And the way that these episodes are coming out, we have uh, The Virgin Suicides coming out later. Same kind of vibes. Uh, different take. Different take. So I think everyone will be interested uh, when that episode comes out. But the vibes here, the vibes for House of Hollow... Jess, how would you describe this book before we get into like our characters? So I feel it's so interesting because I remember you said like the vibes are very holly black and fairy, but it's not it's not ethereal the way I think some people might think. It's very um, it, it's weirdly whimsical. I think it's because of the fantasy aspect, however, not in an ethereal way. It's very earthy. It's very grounded. It's very like put, you know, you're rooted, right? You're putting, you're getting your hands dirty. I mean, in the first chapter, quite literally, our, uh, one of the characters and really our main character, Iris, because this book is in first person POV, she's in the mud. She's going for her run. She falls back, is startled, and she lands in the mud completely dirty, completely like gross running through town after she's getting out of the woods from her run. And everybody thinks she shit herself, which honestly, that's like, it's not a funny thing. I'm not laughing about it, but you could just like, imagine you're 17 years old and you're like, ah, of course, right before school, you got to get ready. You have to let your, your mom is tracking your everywhere about. So in London, too. This is in London. And I like that you bring that up, too, because it is it is right away that she is in in the dirt. You're right. You're right. That is something that I didn't pick up on, that it is in that first chapter that we get that. Look at us. Look how good we are. Uh, who we mentioned, Iris, our main character. Who else is in this book, Jess? 
So our key characters are um, Iris Hollow, Vivi Hollow, and Gray Hollow. They're all sisters. Um, as we mentioned, Iris, uh, she's this book is in first-person POV. You have their parents, Kate and Gabe Hollow. And then we also meet Tyler Yang, who is Gray's boyfriend slash ex-boyfriend slash back-to-boyfriend. Um, but those are really, like, our main key players that we hear about throughout, you know, that are kind of consistent in this book. I mean, we'll mention there are other characters um, and we'll mention them as we dive into the episode. And then as Laura had said, um, the main part of the story of this book does take place in London. And then there's a little bit going on in Camden and then they do go over to Scotland for a little bit. And then they go to the halfway, which we will get to. So the book opens. We have a cold open. Iris is 10, and she's talking about this lady breaking into her house, uh, wanting to cut pieces of her hair, and how her sister, Gray, uh, pr- what is it, pressed her lips to this woman in a de- like a, in a gruesome uh, display of a kiss, and the woman went, like, boneless, and she smelled, uh, like, rot and sweetness, and uh, she kind of, Iris, realized that maybe they were a little strange, they being her sisters. Interesting, interesting cold open here. I remember the first time I read it, I did not know what to think, what was going on. Um, this whole book is told... From, as we said, Iris, through her flashbacks that she, like, gives us. I'd say, like, lore, pretty much, that she just, like, sprinkles in throughout the book. And then her present day. So I think maybe the quickest way to get through all of this is to go through the abduction and then just, like, start start off um, in in chapter one when Gray is 21, Vivi is 19, and Iris is 17. Uh, that way we don't have to, like, keep going back and forth. How do you feel? Yeah? So it's like, yeah, like, that makes sense. And it's kind of like what we do with Ninth House and Hellbent, you know, when we just, I mean, because you do have a lot of back and forth with the flashbacks. Um, but I guess we can start off by saying there are three sisters and kind of the plot is understanding what happened to them. So when they were, you know, 10 years younger, so seven, nine, and 11, they're, you know, they went out to celebrate the fireworks on New Year's Eve with their parents in Scotland, and they disappeared. The sisters disappeared. Nobody could find them. It was a situation of the parents looked away for two seconds, gave each other a midnight kiss, and they looked back and the kids were gone. And now, you know, what happened? Of course, there's questions in the media like, oh, it was the parents. Oh, it was this. Oh, it was that. It was the other thing. Um, but 31 days later, the kids just show up. They reappear in the same place that they, you know, were kidnapped, essentially. Um, and then, you know, and then we go through present day. They're in high school. Um, Let's just go through the entire the entire okay. thing. So. They they are they vanish the girls Iris, Vivi and Gray vanish in Scotland in New Year's Eve, and they are gone thirty one days. It is important to know that Iris says throughout the book that she has no memory, no memory of going. She only has memory of coming back. Of course, this is all very important. Her life started when they showed up on that street thirty one days later. So it's like, what happened to them? Where did they go? They fell through a door. 
because there is a burned out door there. The girls slip through a door because those three girls, Iris, Vivi, and Gray, are human girls. And they heard whisperings through the door of Gray, who are Gray, the Gray, the only Gray that we know are Gray, whispers, pulls these girls through the doorway and then like what coerces those girls manipulates those girls asks them for help and they said they were so how they were so ready to help i guess lures them i think mm-hmm. is the best way because even gray on the other side in this halfway was like oh you 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 know the hollow sisters were so smart they were so smart they were marking where they were going so they knew how to get back to their door but y'all were also so innocent and gullible and just willing to help. Yep, they were willing to help. And what the help was, was our Gray killed those girls, skinned those girls, put those girls' skin on to Gray and her two sisters. And then Gray, Iris and Vivi, as we know them, are wearing human skin with the scar at the neck. They go back through the door, and then 31 days later, they are found. And then Gabe, the father, immediately says, these are not my children. These are not my children. Their teeth are different, and their eyes are different. These are not my children. He says it, Gray says, from the instant he cupped Vivi's face, he knew that it was not her. And that is like... The saddest thing, because he was right. He was right. But like, what do you do? What do you do in that situation? And this is this is all very good. Well, even even law enforcement, when he was like, these aren't my girls. Like, I get that they're back because but but they're not mine. And, you know, law enforcement is very much dismissive and be like, do you understand? This never happens. You have your girls back. Like, then, of course, there's theories of how the girls came back, but that doesn't really impact the story just yet. Um, But they were like, just be grateful. They're here. They might not. And, you know, and of course, you have gaslighting because this is very similar to um, a movie that Angelina Jolie is in. And we'll get into it because it's literally um, I'm not going to call it out. I mean, I guess it can. Um, But it was you just don't remember. It's been so long. You don't remember what your kids look like, even though they had photographs, they had all the things. And let's not forget that, like, over time, their hair color changes, too. So now and, they look yeah. completely different physically. Yeah. Th- and they were like, oh, well, trauma does that. Everybody was gay. You know, that's what happens with PTSD, because, you know, it, it was really they were just being gaslit him as a parent. And even through his therapist, they had he wound up being administered like 5150 or something. And uh, this poor dad, this poor dad, he yeah, knew and he, he, knew and he knew he was right. He goes to the police station. He says, look, she has she has her teeth. She has her teeth. My iris does not have these teeth. They grew back. This is not my child. And of course, you know, you know, it is what it is. But then his his inability, I I hesitate to even say inability to cope because like what a trauma. Everyone is traumatized on um, you know in general. And then these girls are strange, right? And 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 they these girls now 
um, wearing the skin of the human girls have to adapt to human life. And they're what constantly hungry. They only speak in gibberish. They only sleep in a big dog pile with pulse points touching. Um, they, uh, they found them one night eating cat food in the middle of the night and like screaming when they took the cat food away from them. Cause they were so hungry. Uh, just it, it, so Gabe's inability to deal with all of that led to his, uh, he has, it's like a very specific delusion, especially the C that he has. And eventually he does try to harm those children. And it is only through Gray's intervention that he does not drive those girls off a cliff. And then Gray does uh, later that day influence him to unalive himself, which is like a big thing. But that is our background. Like, and there's there's a little bit more, but like that is the disappearance and background. This this weirdness, right? Like Gray, and I think it's important to start here. Gray knows all of this. Iris and Vivi do not know anything about their past, where they came from, what happened to them. They know nothing. Gray told them to forget it all. Gray has always remembered. So that that's important. And when we say that like Gray has like convinced her dad not to do it or or like tell the girls just hey, forget it, you know, no big deal. It's not in a casual sense. Gray is able to compel others. So if anybody's familiar with like fantasy and supernatural like things like she compelled them, she compelled them to basically do whatever her whim is. And that's consistent throughout the book. And they can all do it. In my head, I call it like charm, right? Because it's uh, it's like a pheromone. It's their skin. It's their lips. It's their hair. It's their closeness. It oh. it makes people like intoxicated with them. Okay. Uh, somebody, or I think maybe Iris said it was like it was like I gave her heroin. Like her eyes went like her pupils blew. It was a whole thing. So they can all do it. Iris can't control it. Gray uses it to her advantage and Vivi kind of like skates in the middle with it. She, she will use it to, um, you know, make things easier for herself. So that's, I think that's very important. And none of them like really know where that comes from. That's like our background when this opens in chapter one, where it's, uh, you know, Iris trying to live a normal life, running in the park, falling down. Her mom is tracking her. Knowing what we know, well, that makes perfect sense. Are all of her children disappeared for a month? Like we get, I knowing the background, you get a little more empathy with Kate. Like honestly, that's tame. If all of my kids were kidnapped for a month when they were babies, like I don't think I would get over that. But I don't have children. Uh, it, it is just it's it's very interesting this world building that we have right away too. Um, because we have a little bit more background on Gray. Uh, she's a supermodel, right? She's Turned on the cover. designer. Yeah, on the cover of Vogue. Three times in three years. Yeah. Unheard of. Unheard so I'm of. Like, so I was like, I can't believe that happened from like, you know, a publicist side of me. But then the other part of me, I was like, that she totally compelled them. There was no way. Anna Wintour was like, yes, please. Gray Hollow for the third year in a row. For real, at only 21, love it, love it, love it, though. And we get, like, descriptions of House of Hollow, which is the fashion house. We get 
you know, how Gray designs things, how she like smokes her fabrics, that she sews little things. It's all very beautiful. It's all very like, uh, like exactly how I pictured the clothes in Holly Black's fairy at Cardin's court. Those are, it's the same, it's the same kind of vibe. It's the same kind of vibe. But at this point, like, uh, Iris has already fallen down because she saw the Minotaur. He's this is our first like instance where she fell down. Uh, but Vivi's coming into town. Her middle sister she has a gig, and also Gray is coming into town from Paris for the gig as well. Now, I don't have sisters, but I would love a sister to pull me out of school. I would love a sister to pull me out of school and go like hang around London. I would fucking love that. How fun! How fun. And what's not fun, though, is that Gray, uh, not Gray, Iris has bullies. She has bullies at school and like her big sisters really protected her when she was growing up. And then two of her sisters left. But, um, you know, they were like, this is boring. We're not challenged. We have other things going on. Like the world is our school kind of thing. So they both dropped out because let's uh, because Gray and Vivi are older than Iris. Um, but before they left. They definitely made uh, Iris's bullies kind of get them to like get theirs in front of the school. Like one kind of compelled to, you know, gray and compelled one of them to shave their head in front of the entire audience or the entire, you know, school assembly kind of situation. But the reason I bring that up is because fast forward to now Vivi's pulling her out of school and right before that happens the two bullies are like hey we hear your sisters are in town and like we would really like to meet them and like do a thing and this is where they are and they're tracking all the pop culture things and then and then they proceed after asking that and Iris is like "Mm, I don't know go ahead and bully her in class in front of everybody after you just made this ask. Now we flash forward to after Vivi taking her out of school to go to the rock show because her sister is like a bass player in a rock band. They try to be like, oh my gosh, like, are you going to get us in? And Vivi's like, "Uh, aren't you the bitch that I made shave your head? But like, obviously she doesn't admit it and bullied my sister. The audacity of these mean girls. Of these mean girls. It is, it is insane. It is insane. And Vivi's like, you know, Starfuckers, can you name, which normally I hate this. Can you name one song? Right. What is the name of our band? But in this situation, it was like, yeah, no, answer her. Answer yeah, and, her. <laughs> and Vivi was even like, I'm going to, I'll do you one better. Uh, you don't even have to know a name of the song. Because sometimes if you're like, oh, I've heard of this band. Let me see them live. I get that. There was a band that I had tickets for that I was supposed to go to. Um, and I was like, oh, I like their vibe. I can't name a song, but like, I like the name of the band. But I knew the name of the band. They couldn't even do that. They were just hoping to see a peep of Grey Hollow in person with her boyfriend, Tyler Yang. Tyler Yang, but Grey Hollow was busy. Grey Hollow had things to do. She's evading the Minotaur. She's sneaking into her own house and planting evidence in her room. Uh, and then while Kate is there, so she isn't seen and detected so that Iris and Vivi can find it later. Like, Grey has shit going on, right? <laughs> like, she's busy. I yeah. love it. I love it so much. It is just, it is just so much fun. When... Iris sees the Minotaur man outside of school right before she goes and spends the day with Vivi. That's the second time that we have seen this man. Knowing what we know from the reveal, 
This is like so scary, but also a part of me is like, why doesn't anyone see this person? But then there's another part of me that is like, this is magic. This isn't, that's enough. That's enough for me. Well, knowing that it was fantasy and knowing that we were going to cover it for the podcast, it's funny you say that when in the prologue, when the lady was just like lurking over their beds, cutting their hair. I, I straight up thought it was a ghost till she got tackled because it was like, okay, paranormal, this aligns with fantasy that we, we read. But when she wasn't, that's when I go, okay, so now everybody's going to see this. Now everybody's going to see whatever I think is a ghost. So the Minotaur, you're saying that it's part of the fantasy thing? That it wasn't because only the sisters could see it. We don't, we assume. Nobody we assume. Else. Well, but Tyler, Tyler saw yeah, and the do- so, and the doctor, the doctors and the nurse saw at the hospital. So then it's not in line with the oh, it's just an illusion. Like they can really see. Like yeah, he's really there. Okay, yeah, okay, it's just, okay. It's just like one of those. It's like oh, yeah. it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> uh, before we talk about Tyler, I think it's important to note that we have said earlier that these girls are changelings, right? That we we said it already in the episode. There is a no, theme. We, I don't think we did, but if we didn't, we did now. Oh, but well, like we didn't specifically Assume. say that they are changelings, yeah, yeah, yeah. but yes, they are but, not. Yeah. They are not human. They are. They're not they human. Are, they are other, wearing other people's skin. Yeah. Um, I say that because before we meet Tyler, well, I guess um, before we meet Tyler, we should go over uh, that these girls, these changeling girls, are. They're all 5'11". They all have white blonde hair. They all have black eyes. They have skin that smells like milk. And they can't dye their hair. Their hair doesn't take any color. And also, cadaver dogs react to them. They reacted to them when they were children. And also, um, when they were children, people got like weird, creepy vibes from them. And uh, weird things happen when they are together. Okay. All of that to say that Tyler is not affected, 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 affected by Gray's charm, right? Her, that like pheromone thing that comes from her skin. He's not affected by any of their charm. So Tyler is very special. Again, I'm just layering this on top. Tyler is where... It Tyler is at, I'm going to say Cuckoo, which is Gray's favorite club, which is very funny knowing what we know. And after Vivi sees the Minotaur, now that's for the third time that they have seen it, um, Vivi and Iris leave the club where JJ, the bullies are and the band and go to Gray's apartment, which is not her real apartment. And then they get worried about her and then they go to the club where Tyler is. That club is called cuckoo now i'm only bringing this up because i i was just curious and let me look and it says cuckoo cuckoo is a large grayish brown european bird that is a parasite giving to laying its eggs in nests of other birds which hatch them and rear the offspring so we're all very, it's, ooh, we're all here right this is all this is all very meaningful there's all layers here all very interesting stuff, um, but they are at this club now. Cuckoo! I the fact that cuckoo birds—I had no idea 
lay their eggs in other birds' nests. I love that it is Gray's favorite club. I love that she's there all the time. I mean, she's in on it. Remember, she knows. She remembers. So she must just get like a little like chuckle every time she goes there. I just think it's so funny. Um, But Gray is not there. Gray is not at the club. Tyler says that they broke up. The door lady says that a man that smelled like burning and death with black eyes was there looking for Gray and she did not let him in. Uh, And then we get our first kind of instance of Vivi in her red cigarette suit. Oh my gosh, I would love to see that. Um, But we get Vivi charming the bouncer and we get like this firsthand account of what it looks like and um, how it happens and how close you have to be. And it's all very interesting. Um, But then we meet Tyler. And I don't know about you, but I loved Tyler. Tyler, Tyler, to me, was like the perfect character in this book, just like a golden retriever kind of boyfriend, but also like, you know, fuck you kind of too. I, I love the energy for him. Well, he was he was clearly he was hurt. First, the sisters are like, "You're the last person he she our sister has been seen with," and he's like, "Your sister was a shitty girlfriend." And they were like, "Don't joke about my sister like that." He's like, "I'm not saying like she would be gone for days at a time, and then she would come back, and I'd want to communicate." It's not. I'm not saying it as like this bitter person. She was just not a great girlfriend. I, I don't know what to tell you. And they're still trying to get answers. So I really appreciate when Vivi's like, you know, I totally, if you don't have answers, that's fine. But just so you know, once we get the police involved, you had an argument and you're the last person that she was seen with. And bah, 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 bah. I do appreciate Vivi going that route. Oh, absolutely. Vivi like pulls no punches. And I like that Gray's like, well, why would I be saying all of this shit to you? Like, I obviously did nothing. Like, you know, and he starts calling them little hollows. I like that. He keeps that up throughout the rest of the book. I do really like that. Um, But then they leave him. They're like, okay, fine, whatever. They leave him there and Vivi and Iris start to go home. And then we get this first instance where I was just like all of the hairs kind of on my neck went up because... Kate calls Iris and Iris is like, you know, oh, da, 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 da. I'm sorry, mama. And Kate doesn't miss a beat. Kate goes, don't call me that. You know, I don't like it when you call me that. And the first time I read this, I was like, well, what did she do? Damn. What did Iris do? Especially because in like the first chapter, all she says is like, first, you're like, who the hell is Kate? This is a cold who we don't even know Kate's name because we don't know it in the prologue. And then she explains like, oh, Kate's at the hospital, blah, 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 blah. And oh, that's, you know, Kate's my mother, but I don't remember. I, and that's another thing. I don't remember when I, when I stopped calling Kate mama, but Kate prefers it this way. So I guess I'm going to like that's in like the first two chapters. So clearly when here we are where her mother's like where Kate is panicking and she's like, where are you? I you're you turned your tracking off. And now, you know, they're like, we were in the tube. I didn't have battery, you know, all the all the excuses that we all say. And like you said, she says mama. And then she freaks out because in your head, you're like you're thinking like, okay, I'm going back to like childhood self. Like, it's okay, It's okay. Because that's all Iris knows. Yeah. And it's like, dang, what does Kate know? Which was what kind of like, it's like, okay, 
okay, so Kate, what do you know about this? Because that's fucking weird, especially since it's kind of established that Iris is your favorite child. Like, what is going on? What is this? But then a little bit later, we get this really, I think, kind of lovely conversation between Iris and Vivi about like, Iris is like, what essentially like, what's wrong with us? Like something, something's, something's wrong with us. And Vivi's like, there have always been things like us. You know, there are all these different names and all this mythology. Like there's all these things, but like we're not like weird. And I like what Vivi says. She goes, the things that we do feel right to me. Huh. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. She's like, don't you think it's weird that we can do these things, that we can make people do anything that we want? Vivi's like, no, no, that feels right to me. It feels normal. Oh, yeah, because she goes, we might be peculiar, but that but we're not new. There's nothing new with what we can do. When Vivi is saying, I believe, where she goes, do you remember all that time? I know we're not supposed to talk about and oh, and that's when Ira says like, oh, I don't remember. She goes, no, not the lie that we tell each other. So we don't talk about the truth. Do you know anything? And that's when Viv, and that's when Iris is like, I, I really don't think so. I, and Vivi was like, cause I, here's what I remember. Here's some of the things that I'm trying to piece. And then to follow up with it, they, she even, uh, she as in Vivi even asks Iris, did you read the whole article? And she goes, no, it's the same shit all the time. She goes, no, keep reading. And this is where you find out that her sister, you know, they're asking her about her disappearance. You know, they, Vogue is asking Gray about the disappearance. Like she has this cover feature, this cover story. And they're like, do you even remember, remember like what happened? And, Gray says, oh, I remember everything. And that's when Vivi starts, you know, asking, you know, asking Iris, like, don't you think maybe, you know, like the truth will set us free? And Iris says, I'm good with my repressed memories. Thanks. I don't need to. I'm good where I am. Like, let me handle the trauma the way I need to handle the trauma. And Iris is not handling the trauma because of the strangeness that she because Iris just wants a normal life. So the strangeness that happens when the sisters get together is starting to happen again. And like she says, like seep in. And that kind of started in the very beginning when the door was flown open and Kate was on the phone to the PIs and Iris stumbles in and like sees the picture and the picture has flowers growing out of the eyes. That's our first kind of like instance that this is like quite strange and then as as things go on we learn more details you know like um the 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 flowers that they found like as you said like they're not like i'm gonna say real flowers because they're not found like on earth they're only found uh in the halfway so it's all it's all very interesting here um if going back to gray's unlocked door uh, that is where vivi is uh kind of when iris sees her and they're talking about this um Vogue article and and Gray remembering everything. And it is from this this point on that the plot picks up and it becomes like a travel, travel places, find clues kind of kind of situation from this point to the rest of the book, because they find the key to Gray's real apartment here in Gray's bedroom. And then Vivi and Gray 
like immediately go like immediately go there <laughs> like they're just like okay okay they go and she did this and she does this you know gray leaves the you know she's planting she's planting little things so she can be found because at this point we know that or, or you know at this point of the book we know that gray was supposed to meet the sisters at the concert and then she wasn't at the concert and that's why they went to see tyler at cuckoo the club because that's the place they were like well something's up because we can't, our messages aren't going through she isn't we're not hearing from her this isn't like her and more specifically this isn't like her with us so that's why they're they're kind of scavenging looking at everything and gray even does like she does a little sister note first off why are you digging through my shit you're not supposed to be snooping second off uh but i'm really glad you did because i might be dead okay thanks bye um take this key and, and go to the house this other address and that's when they go like you said to her actual like her her uh not decoy place and that's when they were all like this is this is everything because you know and it was so sweet because her her house her kitchen her bathrooms are exactly how uh iris had requested like oh if we ever have a house and we all run away together where this is how this is what it's ideally for me and vivi's like oh i want to i want a library and she has all the things that her sisters have because there is nothing and that's a consistent theme there is nothing that gray won't do for her sisters and you know she's in full like, big sister mode you want it you got it we will make it happen absolutely gray's real apartment was very easy to visualize because there is a store this little plug that i am not affiliated with at all i just really like the store and there's a store a little bit outside of denver called the terrororium it's hard for me to say and we'll put it, it in the show notes. we'll put it in the show notes we'll, we'll link it it's awesome. It's plants and skulls and bones and pinned butterflies and just gorgeous taxidermy and just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. We'll link it. It was that imagery was so easy to just like kind of superimpose over these descriptions, like so, so perfect setting, setting the, the like stage for us the best. Uh, the Minotaur shows up here after we find a dead man in the closet. I was not. I was not expecting him to pull out a gun. I cannot emphasize that enough. When he pulls out a gun and starts shooting at Vivi, I was like, wait, what? Well, and, you know, having this minotaur running around London and Camden and all over the place, um, it was giving me minotaur visuals from American Horror Story, specifically American Horror Story Coven. Um, so in, you know, in the, those, you know, those are flashbacks between the, 18 or maybe the 1600s so like yeah they're not exactly pulling out a shotgun when he's trying to like unalive madame lalaurie for real it's just it's wild shit wild shit so during that fight because the minotaur finds them there he uh can track gray using her blood so he's kind of just like sniffing around and looking for her and finding the girls in the process but he lights the man that they find in the ceiling on fire and then takes a bunch of gray's stuff and then puts it on top of him too so it is very important for iris and vivi to kind of save what they can of gray's stuff of their of the clues because that's all that they have and it just so happens that they find gabe's journal I was going to say, I don't even think it's just because it's her stuff. I feel like there's like a lot of nostalgia and sentimental value because, you know, and this, oh, talking it out, it makes sense. Like they were like, we need to grab the pictures of us. Like, why would this person burn pictures of us, you know? And, 
and it makes sense. Like they were just thinking like they just knew clues were supposed to be here, but they didn't know what clue outside of they have a key, like essentially a skeleton key to a specific door that Gray was referencing. And aside, we don't learn who that body in the wall is, right? It's just no. a body. Okay. It's just a body. Like, yeah. Okay. Just, just a rando, just, just a, a rando yeah. from, from the halfway because he starts to, you know, flowers coming. Yeah. Right. And he's full of rot and, and all of that, all of that. So it is through the saving of some of Gray's stuff that we get Gabe's journal. We get the Mary Byrne mystery. We get all the stuff about the different doors, the mill door, the church door, all of these abandoned doors. Uh, we get we get all of this and like doors from around like internationally like there, yeah. she's she's finding them all over the place. This isn't just and because we know this because Gray is also a you know, she's the model. She's the design, you know, a designer. So she's having these opportunities to ch- to to understand where these doors are and finding them in her travels as well. There's a book called The 10,000 Doors of January that is kind of based on this concept where there are abandoned doors that um, you can step through and go to other places. So that is, uh, it was also very easy to like superimpose that imagery here. And it's also like these doors are kind of like the lore that goes with some, I don't want to, I guess like myths and folklore that, you know, like if you see a, an abandoned stairwell in the forest, you shouldn't go up the stairwell. Or if you see just a door frame in like the middle of nowhere, don't go through the door. You know, don't do, don't, don't get curious is what they say. But I, I'm split because part of me, I was like, ah, it's just a door. Let me be super cynical. But then I'm, the other part of me is like, what if? Yeah, what, what if? if? What do I want to? Do I want to? Part of me wants to, but that's because we're a fantasy podcast. Exactly. A fantasy <laughs> podcast who wants to do all the things. But uh, it is, I'm looking, I'm looking. Uh, one of the reasons that I really liked reading this traditionally in print instead of in audio was that I was able to pick up on this little flashback with, between Gabe and Kate where they make a um, a suicide pact. Did you pick up mm-hmm. on that? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I, when I listened to the audio, it did not stand out to me. Oh, mm-hmm. I just feel one like of those that things makes. And I mean, like, and, and one of the things that uh, Iris says about Kate a lot is, you know, this poor woman has gone through so much. Like, how how is she still standing? And then you you know you kind of have it. Re- I don't want to say reciprocated, but then you find out some of Tyler's history, and she goes. And then you have Tyler, who's like an amazing, another great example that like all this tragedy can still happen. And you can still find a way to keep pushing through it. Um, but that, that suicide pact, I, I can't imagine as a parent. I couldn't. No, no, absolutely not. Well, and that's their own like marital struggles too, because you're like, you know, they even said like, not only did the mar- like the relationship with the daughters kind of have a fallout because Gabe was like, these aren't my girls. I'm not going to have a relationship. I can't form a relationship with them. They, I don't know who they are, but also the blaming of like, this was your fault. This was my fault. Well, your family lives here and that's how we ended up here. So like, they're constantly like, you know, th- there's going to be an eternal guilt on them for that as parents. I have to assume, again, I'm not a parent, but I can only assume that those are like some of the things that are happening. 
Which is interesting because it is after all of this happens, Vivi is uh, shot. Um, you know, they stitch together at a cafe. There's like this whole thing. Flowers are growing from Vivi's wound, everything. They finally call the police, which I did appreciate. Like, finally, someone is actually calling the police in one of these. Like, yes. And Kate, Kate says something to Iris. And Iris cannot understand why Kate hates Gray at all. At all. Um, but Kate basically says, like, I, I do not love Gray. I, I don't love her. Um, and it would break my heart to tell you what she told me. But if she died, I wouldn't I wouldn't give the single shit. And Iris cannot forgive this um, in the moment. She's like so taken aback. She's like, how dare you? That is my sister. But it's also like, but that is your daughter. But it's not. But but she knows it's like a little tangled web we weave here. Right. I bring that up because Iris brings up that Kate is so different between the first press conference where she was like, they say that she was just like unable to be controlled or contained. She was just like frantic. Well, and then, I mean, then of course you have the media perspectives that came from it. Like she would be wailing and in such pain. And then they were like, ah, there's no way that pain is real. She's being overdramatic. But I mean, that's the plight of being, you know, a woman too. And then she, what, you know, then she was like, you know what? I, I'm not going to show any emotion because I'm in public. So I'm just going to have a stone face. And then she would get criticized for that. And then God forbid she had an emotion outside of grieving because then it's like, how dare she laugh? And I mean, anybody who's familiar with the, grieving process would know that it's it's a roller coaster it's a roller coaster of things and this this parent this mother isn't getting a grip and i mean even after you know finally calling the police and say like gray is lost we can't find her she's missing she's also very like ah, eh, it's fine kate's very much like go to school have a routine like she's trying to get iris to kind of go back into it because now she knows what we know, of course, after finishing the book is that gray isn't her actual gray. Um, and so she's like, yeah, go. I, I've been through this. She's trying to be like, I, I know what it, I know. Psh, back of my hand. We got this. It's fine. She'll, and even Tyler's like, she'll show up. It's no big deal. Like everybody's very dismissive of her missing except the sisters because they have that bond and tether to each other. They're like, dig deep down like check the vibes the vibes are off because the vibes aren't there and it's yeah tyler and tyler's like you know uh little hollows i'm going to burst into your house a day later and i am going to join you (laughs) yeah because i'm wanted and they won't look for me here but also hey what's up and uh tyler just like hangs out with them with uh, iris and vivi for the rest of the book until he doesn't and I, I just, uh, t- Tyler's very endearing to me. I just love him. Also, he sounds gorgeous. So there's also that. Absolutely stunning. His fashion was impeccable. I loved it. And he was just like a good, like you said, a good, a good boyfriend. Like he tried. He really tried. He, he did his best with what he was working with. He did. And he, you know, he went above and beyond, honestly, uh, from what, from, from, the character that you expect him to be, like a vapid, like male model, he goes above and beyond and goes into the trenches, into hell, more or less, uh, for Gray. So we, we love all of that. And it is because of Tyler, who has his tragic backstory, who cannot be charmed by the girls, 
that we meet Yulia and we learn another kind of backstory that happens with Gray because Yulia is the makeup artist that lived with Gray when they were all like kids when Gray left when she was 17 and they go to that apartment and I can picture that apartment. I've been in many shitty apartments in my life. I can picture that shitty apartment. I can picture that wallpaper. They said like peeling away from the wall in thick sheets and that wall being spongy and rotten because Gray's like sadness leached into it. Like, I mean, the visuals, obviously stunning, gross, the smell. I'm glad I couldn't smell it, but I I loved this, this like this. It, it was kind of a confirmation, like an actual tangible confirmation that like something is deeply like unsettling unsettling and like going on here but yulia is but where we get with yulia is that she was missing she was missing for a week but yulia is very standoffish rightfully so because she's like who is this person who are these people i also blame their sister for how i am found meanwhile we know again because of the end of the book that uh that gray has been reading a book oh i thought i wrote it down i didn't um about runes that she ha- is basically because of who she is she's between the present day and this halfway world and bringing people kind of back who go missing and part of the thing and part of the thing is, is she has to use specific runes and it has to be in her blood. So these people are coming, she's kind of bringing back from the halfway and marking them with her blood. They're covered in her blood. So they're like, what the hell is going on? Because they're kind of in this limbo, more or less. Yes. Yes. And Yulia says, like, you know, your sister, like, ruined my life. She creeped me out. I never want to be around her or, like, you, Tyler, fuck you. Uh, stay away from me. Uh, nothing, nothing. I don't want anything to do with it. I never want to go back there. My dreams are haunted by that place. I hear dead people screaming all of the time. It's like, damn, damn, oh, that sucks. But it is from that meeting that we get the apartment. And then it is from the apartment that we get the flowers. And then it is from the flowers, right, uh, that Iris realizes that the flowers are activated by fire. They go back to the to the real apartment, uh, look around. The whole thing is covered in flowers. Notice somewhere that isn't. Pull the book frame or the bookshelf from the wall and bam, through the wall comes Gray. And she's bloody and she's screaming at them to run, 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 run. She's being chased. At this point in the book, I was like, hot damn, what is going on? What is going on? That is the coolest thing. What? What? It felt like very... I In my head, even though I know she has blonde hair, the whole concept of white white nightgown peeking through a crack screaming disheveled i'm getting grudge i'm getting grudge vibes i don't do horror people know this or if you don't know you do this is all like i gotta put the book down i gotta take a breather and i have to read this during the day because i can't read this at night i love it i love it she's coming she's coming through and she's screaming at all of them and we end up here though 
in the hospital. And we have a very, a very kind of like cliche hospital moment, a very cliche like hospital attack. I'm saying cliche. I love this, though, because we have uh, like Tyler is there complaining about like hospital stuff. It's all very typical hospital setting, which is good. Is comforting. We know what to expect in American hospital. So when Iris goes to pee and by, and the lights don't come on for whatever reason, and her flashlight is there and, and she scratches at her scar and the ants come out of her scar. It was so unexpected in this hospital setting that I was like, Miss Ma'am, Miss Ma'am, what are we going to do about this? And she just, just doesn't address it. She just doesn't address it. <laughs> I well, I feel like that's but that's consistent with her like, look, I don't this is repressed. I don't need to know. I don't have to ask questions. And she did it again. And even with Vivi's uh, like gunshot wound, she sees like the seeds of the carry on flower, which I had to look up the carry on flower. And it's just the corp, you know, it's also known as like the corpse flower, if anybody's familiar with it. And she's like, you know, and her sister's like, how's the wound looking? And Iris is, you know. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. There's nothing to see here. And she keeps on with that. Like, if if you don't, if you stick your head in the sand like a little ostrich, it's going to go away. Yeah. But it doesn't. But it doesn't. It doesn't. And um, Jess and I were talking earlier. It's very Jasmine Throne. It's very Oleander Sword, these flower coming through the skin visuals. So we are very lucky to have already read and experienced those and that fan art and all of that world so that the visuals are very easy to transfer here which is good because there's so many amazing visuals. So we're in the hospital and is this, yeah, this is the part where she goes to visit her sister in the room, but Mm -hmm. the there's, oh, because they find this, you know, they find Gray. They, you know, she has to kind of get taken into custody because at this point we had a whole press conference that Gray was missing. Now she can't be sedated. She's in the hospital. They had to strap her down and then, Iris goes to visit her, you know, visit Gray in the hospital room only to find out that the watch that she was under because law enforcement has been unalived or knocked out. Oh, he's dead. He's oh, dead. He is dead. Okay. Yeah, he's dead. And he's got flowers growing out of his eyeballs. Oh, that's what. Okay. Cause that's when then Iris walks in and she gets attacked from behind from Gray. And that's when she has to say, no, Gray, 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 it's fine. It's me. It's me. It's fine. It's, and she goes, but, oh, that's right. Cause she goes, you killed a guy. And she's like, he wasn't who he says he was. I do appreciate Iris right here too, because Iris is like, okay, you're awake. Awesome. Cool. What the fuck is going on? What the <laughs> fuck is going on? Tell me right now. I don't care that we're crouched here. I don't care that you're telling me to take my shoes off and that the Minotaur is coming. I don't care what the fuck is going on. And, uh, Gray is like, not, now is not the time. Now's not the time, bestie. Um, the Minotaur's coming, and he does. <laughs> and he does, and it's very scary. Uh, he, like, breaks down the door, and you hear him, uh, like, discover that the bed is empty. And then there's, like, the chase through the hospital, right? Like, it's all very good. Um, very scary, very scary stuff. They make it out of the hospital. I say they. Iris, Vivi, Tyler, Gray. Make it out of the hospital. The Minotaur is chasing them. Uh, Gray spells the fuck out of that Uber driver. I don't know what she said to him so quickly. I was thinking about it. Like, what did she say so fast? Like, take everybody to Scotland, no matter what. Um, only stop and get gas. Uh, and, and tell, tell Agnes that she owes me. Like, she was just like rapid fire directions before she passed out. Respect. 
Yeah, whatever she said. And then she crashes and ever, and then Tyler's like, wake her up. And they're like, she's, she's passed out. You can't get the questions. I know. So you should wake her up so I can get the answers to my questions. They're like, that's not how comas work. Um, but that, then the car keeps going. The car keeps going until it runs out of gas. And then whatever she, whatever she, uh, she said to him, like you said, then he, he keeps going on foot on foot so uh and then we assume that he come you know he does go and get gas he doesn't just keep walking to come back to fill the tank to start it off i mean every time that poor driver just starts off the car everybody has to open the doors and dive in while the car is in motion something that i appreciated was was iris was like i wonder how fucked up his life is gonna be because he he was spelled to do this like how how much have we ruined this man just for transportation. Iris in general as a character, and we learn this throughout the whole read, is very intuitive and empathetic. And Kate solidifies that at the end. She's like, you are truly like, she, like that's why I've always kind of, like you said, kind of the favorite, been the most protective over and the most like her daughter, um, that she knew that it had no ill will. And even when we get to, you know, some flashbacks of different things that Gray has done to protect her sisters, including this charm, um, when Iris was like 13 and about to be essayed by a photographer at one of the fashion shows, uh, Iris is like, no, 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 no. Like it's, it, I, you know, it was just a misunderstanding. Like I didn't control myself and the powers that I have more or less. And Graven says, you're lucky that my sister is who she is because she's a much kinder person than I am. And I still am. I would have, I wouldn't have necessarily listened to my sister, her sister who is <laughs> rotting. They are rotting. Uh, so all of these sisters and Tyler, they're on their way to Scotland to Adelaide Fairlight's house where Agnes is waiting. But Gray is rotting. Tyler even says, like, there's something in her mouth. Like, what is in her mouth? Like, open it I up. Hate she has a fever. And they're, like, pulling out these, like, rotted leaves and things. And, like, the smell is, like, putrid. Um, so I know Jess is like gagging, so I'm like moving I'm like, forward. Camera again, moving forward. Um, but so like that that is happening, and there that is like a physical thing that they can all see that is like happening to to all of or to Gray in front of them. And so when they get to Agnes's house, um, and she's there, like she you know has a gun trained on them, everything. Um, the witch's brew that she forces Gray and Vivi and Iris to drink that like makes them throw up everything that's growing inside of them. Uh, very interesting stuff. It makes, um, Iris says it immediately makes the crawly things in her stomach need to get out. Um, but it is from Agnes that we kind of get just like a little bit of an info dump. And I did appreciate that. And I think we should note that Agnes isn't just like, she's a young girl. She's a young girl who went through one of the doorways, specifically the doorway in a church. Mm-hmm. Um, and was kind of stuck in this limbo. And Gray goes back when she's in her halfway and brings her back at some point. So Agnes is kind of riding solo at this house that is kind of like a home. But it's one of those. She's clearly a young child, but she's wise beyond her years because she's in the limbo. Like I felt like she was very, even though she was young, she was also very attuned to what was happening. Because the photo that Iris kind of like ponders over the dates 
says that Agnes went missing and then she was reunited with her grandma. And her grandma was like 90, um, but Adelaide was still like 11. And it had been like a long time in between there. So that that's kind of like where that was. So we we assume from Agnes like not being able to speak really well and not having like blood. She has like sap uh, and a disused uh, her disused voice that she is more deeply tied to the halfway than Gray and the sisters are, um, but less so than the Minotaur because he is dead. The rest of them are not. So it is. It, so they they kind of like wait there and have like various conversations and things. Um, but it is now again where Iris calls Kate to, to tell her like not to worry. And this is where Kate really solidifies that she just is not fucking with Gray. She's like, get away from that thing. You need to run. That is not your sister. You are mine. You are not hers. Get away from the thing. And Iris is like, I have to block your number after that. Like, what the fuck? I can't, I can't deal with that. That is too messed up. Like, no, but knowing what we know. Okay. 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 But also like, mm, 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 mm. (laughs) you know, it's just, it's just not great. It's just, it's not great stuff. Um, but it is through, it is through all of this, uh, that Iris and through her conversation with Agnes, that Iris really starts to realize that it's not just great. It's her too. Right. And like Vivi, again, Vivi starts to realize that they are actually different because Agnes is like it. The halfway like gets inside of you and like takes root. It's in me. It's in her. It's in you. And it's in you. And Tyler's like. But Agnes does freak out because the Minotaur is tracking them because he has uh, Gray's blood. And that is how he tracks them. And the Minotaur does show up. Hello. And kidnaps uh, Vivi and Gray and takes them to the halfway. And, you know, that sucks. He kills Agnes and he really, um, ha- he has runes all over him as well. Now it is now from here, from here that Iris and Tyler chase after more or less and end up at St. Anthony's Chapel. So after after Iris kind of like, you know, uses her power finally and starts to take ownership of her power with Claire. And Claire tells the story about her grandma and Agnes and all of this stuff. And they get the name of St. Anthony's Chapel and that's where the door is. So it's like, mm, okay, okay, cool. And then this is where Iris really starts to get some memories back. Specifically, she remembers uh, that Gray was um, being held by Gabe and that Gray looked back and winked at Iris. And she was like, that's weird. Why are you doing that? And that was a memory that was coming out. Yeah, that was weird when I read it. I was like, why is she winking? But yeah, like, now it's because Gray knew. Gray's like, oh, I got him in my pocket. Like, that's mm-hmm. what Gray's thinking. And But when Iris sees that, Iris is like, what the fuck? She yeah, doesn't, because she doesn't know because we know she was charmed to forget everything in like what, you know, basically everything before coming to seven years old in the present day, not halfway world. And I will mention that at the end too, because I like what Grace says about that as well. Uh, but Tyler and Iris cross through to the halfway 
at St. Anthony's Chapel at 721 in the morning. The halfway, Jess, tell me, tell me about the halfway. What did you think about this place? Um, I feel like the halfway, it, like I just imagined it the way limbo is portrayed in Supernatural. I don't know if that's, if that was just me like taking the descriptions and being like, okay, I'm still going to go ahead and think about it as this other thing. Um, you know, when like Dean's running around and fighting all these things. Um, but what I appreciated about this limbo, I think we should also note that Tyler, Tyler died when he was a kid, him and his sister. So he was resuscitated and his sister was not. So that's why he's able to come to this halfway area because he has died at some point and he has the blood that's now he's been like in the halfway and in like the present current world so that's why he has that flexibility and he even you know at first iris is going to be like you stay here and he goes no if you're going we're going together like tyler really is ride or die he loves you know gray and he's like you know they've all kind of grew to like his her sisters because uh yulia even says gray doesn't even talk about our sisters nobody would have really known um but the halfway in general is very I don't know. It's wilderness. I don't do well. I, I'm already not liking it. So <laughs> that's how because of how I had it in my head. I am slightly confused because if I remember correctly, uh, where Dean goes, like Limbo Purgatory is gray. Is that's, that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is not that. No, it's not. That's why I said I understand what the descriptions were, but that's how I imagined it because I already had like that. Like that, I already had compared it to like what I had in my head. So you tell what it actually is. So I would say that it's an incredibly vibrant, vivid place where it is always like almost dusk. So everything is like in those late afternoon shadows. The fruit is all like on the cusp of, if not rotten and filled with worms. The water is black, freezing cold, filled with bloated bodies. And everything is like soft. Um, the water is fetid and everything is rotten because this is a, a place that when everything dies, it passes through and things, mostly people get stuck if they have unfinished business. So I think the image that stuck out most to me was when Iris sees a bunch of like these bright ass, just like flaming red strawberries. And she's like, oh my God, like, yes, awesome. And then she picks them up and they're full of like worms and they're soft. And it was like, hmm. Yeah, because then because like rotten strawberries are like mushy and you just you know exactly what that is like. And it's like, oh, God. Uh, so there is a lot of um, we're kind of we'll, we'll skip through this. There's a lot of trekking through the halfway through this place. And eventually and it's all very gross. Um, Their toenails start to fall off. Their feet start to turn black like you're not supposed to be there. Right. Like it, it is not good for you. Um, But. Eventually, through all of this, uh, Iris and Tyler find the original house. They find the house that Iris lived in when she lived there, uh, when she, we don't know, we don't know her background, but that is the house. It is the house from the sketches. It is the house with the, the tartan flag, everything, the house in the marsh. Uh, it is there that Iris makes all of her discoveries. She finds the coats that the original children 
uh, were last seen in. She finds the bodies. She finds the gravestone. She finds the lockets. She finds the truth about herself. Well, that's what I was going I was going to say is because at this point, she's finding all these things. She's not realizing that she's not who she thinks she is. She's very much like, okay, the house, like you said, is familiar. Oh my gosh, here are the, here are the coats from the photos because she knows the photo of her parents and her sisters, like at the, you know, going to meet her, uh, Gabe's parents for the holidays. Like she knows these. This is some, so ingrained in her head, but she also notes, she's like, I don't know what's actual memory and I don't know what feels like filtered memory because i've done you know because you know i've seen things or i see you know kind of like um creating false memories she's not it all blends right now so her and tyler are also still you know they know that the minotaur took vivi and gray and she comes across gray you know she comes across a couple tombstones. She sees Grays. She sees Irises. Or I'm sorry. She sees Grays. She sees Vivies. And she's freaking out. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Like, I can't believe they, they were just here. And Tyler is even saying, like, calm down. Like, it's a little bit, you know, let's think logically. Like, he was just, they were just taken. She goes, time works differently here. You don't understand. And then she sees a third grave, um, with her name. And it's at that point where she goes, well, if I'm here, who's in there? And then, you know, they dig up the graves. They see that it's the three original, the original Hollow Sisters that we knew were kidnapped and killed at this point. And this is where, um, you know, again, and then, you know, we find out that's the skeleton that has the missing teeth that doesn't have the baby teeth that grew back. And that's even when she's trying to explain to Tyler, she goes, that's the real Iris Hollow. I don't, then who am I? She's that's when she's really trying to be like, what is going on? Oh, it's very good. It's very good. They say they, they can't stay here. They can't stay here. They can't stay here. They have to find their the sisters. So Tyler and Iris, um, you know, venture out. You know, they're camping. They're doing these things. They're surviving in the wilderness. Iris is following the call, the feeling that she has to, like, track her sisters. And eventually they're at a little campsite. Iris gets up to pee. She comes back. Um, and Tyler is gone and she carves into the, to the ground, I think into a tree right there that mm -hmm. says like, wait for me here, like, wait for me here, Tyler, like, wait for me here. Cause they have bonded at this point. Like the Minotaur attacked in the lake. They had this like kind of weird kiss, <laughs> whatever trauma, whatever. It's fine. Yeah. That's, I, I usually am like, oh my God, that's awful. But like super trauma bonding right here. I get it because then Tyler comes to and he's like, wait, I, I love you. I am in love with your sister. Like, you're cool little hollow, but no. Yeah, but but no, but no. Uh, but it doesn't really end up mattering, I guess you could say, uh, because when Tyler goes missing, we know that the Minotaur takes Tyler and skins him and then puts his skin on. So the Minotaur is now uh, Tyler, which is all very upsetting. Uh, Iris does make it to where her sisters are. She sees them tied to stakes to be set on um, fire, like witches, so they're on a pyre. Uh, very upsetting, obviously. Uh, Iris, at this point, though, because of the attack on the lake, knows who the Minotaur is. Jess, who's the Minotaur? The Minotaur is Gabe Hollow. I was going to say her dad, but like at this point, we're like, we know it's not her 
biological dad and we know the dad gabe doesn't look at these girls as his daughters because now he knows the truth he and it could because he knows the truth like not only does he know that like obviously great charmed slash compelled him to unalive himself now he's in this place um where he gets the confirmation that he always knew that they weren't his girls his daughters are dead and now we know from the halfway that it's you know it's this limbo place where if you have unfinished business and he clearly does yeah and he clearly does and he lights the pyre. I appreciate that. You know, the action, do the thing. Do the thing you set out to do. So he lights the pyre. He gave her a choice. He was like, yeah. look, you could either watch them or you can mm-hmm. join them. It's yeah. up to you. Yeah, and he lights it. So up they go. And this is the moment where he he gave the the father figure to Iris. Iris says, like, I loved this man. Like, I was afraid of him, but I loved him. Like, it was a weird situation. Like, it was weird, but I have complicated feelings. And the line that Gabe says that really got to me when Iris is like, you know, what would Gray do in this situation? Because Gabe is attacking her. He is he is attacking her when this is happening. He is trying to kill her. And Gabe says, like, just let me have this. Like, don't struggle. Let me have this. And Iris is like, it, well, in my head, I was like, fuck you, dude. But in Iris is like, well, Gray would react this way. I'm going to react this way. And she, like, touches his cheek and, like, talks to him and stuff. And he, like, gets off her and eventually, like, moves on. And she saves her sisters from the pyre. But I got to tell you, I'm deeply disturbed by the idea of a Scott a Tyler skin suit uh, that Gray was just, like, holding and sobbing over. Uh, deeply upsetting. His nails were still intact. The hair was still intact. Like, everything, the visual is really rough, um, considering, you know, the SFX and the, like, the things that we watch and just the things that we read. You're just trying to be like, how physically, physically, it's, it does something to your head. For real. And especially the depiction here of Gray's grief. She is um, described as like just sobbing. There's drool coming off of her. She's saying like, I'm binding you to this, Tyler. Like, I blame myself. Don't you dare move on. Like, I will bring you back. I can do it. I can stitch your soul back in here. I've done it before. And she's just like rocking back and forth, like ugly crying over this like skin suit of Tyler's in this like dead, dying, rotten place you know, that's constantly dusk. It's just like this visual of the, and she's like a beautiful striking woman too. Like we know this, Uh, I imagine on a screen would be stunning and very upsetting, very upsetting. So I definitely want to see that. And I think it's the first time that we also see Gray have care for someone outside of her sisters. Absolutely. I, I think so too. And, and Iris does say like, it is something special to love and be loved by somebody that you can't compel in any way. And that's not something that they thought that they, they, any of the sisters could have so that she found someone like that was very special. So, and, and they all really liked Tyler and I really liked Tyler. So it was all very sad. I mm. have to say, I never expected him to die. And, and, you know, it was just, it's, it was, very, I like, when the consequences happen and i like this it was good it was good Um, but we are at the end of the book we have made it um they go back through the door they're back in gray's burned out kitchen 
And uh, what do we have here? It is it is essentially um, Gray starts spinning spinning stories immediately. <laughs> Yeah, she's in her own PR mode, honestly. She's like, oh my gosh, like the stalker, like I was kidnapped and it wound up being the person who was obsessed with us, who kidnapped us when we were younger and then he stalked us and now he kidnapped us again with me and Vivi and now we're back and poor Tyler, like he really did come to our defense, but like said stalker killed him and like really, like which... I appreciate, I, I understand her love for him in a way that she was really just trying, like, I, honestly, like to cover her ass, yes, but like really wanted to do his name justice too and wanted people to see him as this hero because in a way he was kind of a hero in her life for not being able to, you know, be charmed by her because it's the first, one of the first things that gray says to iris when she's like you really like him you'll i i won't tell you why you're gonna know right away why um i I, i'm kind of like head over heels for this kid such a sweet sweet guy which makes the very end of this book very fun but they were gone two weeks uh they were in in the halfway for two weeks very gross uh you know tyler's on the cover of vogue with the funeral i appreciated the funeral scene you know with the family and everything and iris saying that she she knew that gray was like begging and like reaching out for her to comfort to for to have iris comfort her gray really wanted that but iris is and it's important to say iris is not okay because Gray revealed like exactly what happened. She lured those girls in. She skinned those girls. She put the skin on them. She made them forget. Uh, circling back to my point, what I said earlier here, Iris is unhappy with Gray and she really wants nothing to do with Gray right now. And Gray is like, that's fine. I'm your sister. I will be here for you when you are ready. But I understand like this situation. But speaking to that, Gray does say... Iris, like, you know, I can't charm, I'm, we're saying charm, but like, I can't use my, my power on Tyler. I can't use it on you either. Bestie sister. Like that, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't work. You wanted this. You wanted to believe this so badly that you actually did like repress and do all of this. We can't use our power on each other. That would be weird. It doesn't work that way. Well, their blood can't handle it because they, they came from the halfway. So, it, so which is that was a bigger shock for me than the dad being the Minotaur. Really? Yeah, I don't think I don't think I processed it. And now talking it out, it makes sense because it goes along with uh, Iris's repressed trauma, like a reoccurring theme. But I think I was like, wait. What? Because I wrote and when I was like making my notes, I was like, she, when she put like, forget this, I go, she, she compelled her sisters. But that isn't, that is, I have it. I can't erase it. I put it in pen. I wrote that. So I really didn't process that at all. Yeah. It's but, interesting. Like, again, this it, is why we have these conversations because yeah. I'm like, oh. <laughs> But it's like, of course, because they, they even say, like, you know, Gray has a, a, a twisted sense of justice. Uh, when Vivi bit me and broke the skin, Gray bit her back. If their powers worked on each other, that'd be like, like they did be weird. Like that, that wouldn't have happened. Like, so it was, it was really good. All of this to say, we have a full circle moment where Iris stands up for herself in front of JJ, her bullies. Love this for her. 
uh, you know, this is a very good for her moment. And I was just like, "Mm mm-hmm, yes. It's also a reoccurring theme and just like the conversations that we have and the stuff that we read and cover um, where Gray earlier in the book says like, we are the same person. You have all this power. You need to believe in yourself and you need to learn to control it. Like, and it's frustrating when you, that, that you are kind of like pushing it aside. So here it is that full circle, a, 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 an additional full circle moment where, um, where Iris is like, I do have all this power and I am going to learn to control it. And even though, like you said, with the bullies, she's going to put them in their place and give them a little threat. She's like, I know I can't have certain capabilities, but they don't know that. They've been spreading shit about me forever, especially because they went from like some of the bullies started certain things only to have everybody have it flipped to like now everybody believes it's Iris who started certain things. And she's like, that's not that's not how any of this happened. That's not how any of this started. You're referencing this sleepover uh, with one of the girls. Yeah, it's very traumatic. A little a little, you know, kissing, getting out of hand because of the skin and the pheromones and all of that. Oh, my gosh, it's all very good. Poor Iris. Uh, we end, we end with Iris and Vivi finding another door and going back because, uh, Iris saw Tyler's soul when, uh, Gray was calling him back and he like kind of nodded and like didn't want to go. But Iris knows what she saw. She, Iris saw what she saw and that's enough. So they're going to go, they're going to go explore the halfway, her and Vivi, and they're going to see what they can do about that to make it right to use what Kate said. And then again, we have boundaries here because Iris calls Kate and is like, hey, we're going to go. We don't know how long we're going to be gone for, um, but we'll be back. And Kate is like, cool, just come back, which is, again, huge, huge moment here. Um, But I think it does go to say, like, when everybody's eyes are open and everybody's on the same page, it's amazing what you can do, right? And I think it's important because, like you said, like now the communication is there. There, there's nothing being hid from other people. Um, and that's just going to make her, you know, I say her, but like Iris's relationship with Kate even stronger. Iris kind of understands a little bit more where Kate is coming from. And even the relationship with Vivi, like everybody's just kind of on the same page, which is refreshing because that re- like, I don't want to say there's a miscommunication trope here, um, but all the cards aren't on the table yet, you know, so to speak. And Jess, you and I were talking a little bit about this earlier, but there's a lot of foreshadowing in the book. Uh, there are hints to what is going on in like page two. There are hints to what is going <laughs> on. It is peppered throughout the whole thing. And so it kind of makes the reveals later on. You're just like, oh, oh, oh. But that w- is part of what makes it a good reread too, is you can really pick up on like where the things are and uh, I know, Jess, when you and I were talking about this earlier, you were like, no, it couldn't, it couldn't possibly be that. It's, that's so obvious. Yeah, because everything that we know with like lore that comes with changelings, it makes absolute sense. And it's said in page two, it's said in all the letters from the dad, it's said, it's said over and over and over and over again. And it just felt like it was too easy. It made more sense that I, like, we guessed the Minotaur was the dad before the changeling, at least on my thing. So when they officially said, like, I am in a changeling, I go, huh, I guess she really is. I just was in denial 
because it couldn't to me. I was like, it, it's right there. There's no way it's right there in the whole book. Even with all my pop culture references and all the movies and all the television shows and all the things that we've read, I was like, no, no. But it felt that way. Did you guess the Minotaur? Uh, no, I turned my brain off for this because it was very atmospheric. And I was uh -huh. also, the first time I read it, I was also working. So it was kind of like a, you know, tunnel vision mm -hmm. kind of situation. Um, the, the thing, I'm, I'm really glad you said something because it reminded me of something. Um, a criticism that I have of this book, and I do have one, I do not like the constant references to social media, specifically Instagram and, mm -hmm. uh, the, and things like that, like the Vogue and stuff, like that's fine. That's fine. It, Vogue to me does feel, um, kind of timeless in a way because, like, there's digital editions, you know, they're holding a physical one. You can go buy that, whatever. But, like, the constant references to Instagram do date this book and set it in a very specific, like, time frame. So mm -hmm. in the future, it will read weird and will read old, I think, faster than necessary. Um, but it is, I do think, a necessary thing because this is set in, like, the real world. So unless you're going to take the time to, like, create something, a new app and, like, create a new social media thing. Like I, I understand it from like a storytelling like perspective, but it is, it is a criticism. I think that, and I don't think you're the only one who has that criticism, not necessarily of this book, but like just in books in general, because I have seen conversations um, of being specifying the social platforms. Cause if it was said like, Oh, you know, she has X amount of followers on her socials. I was like, okay, you know, because at this point we are in a digital age, you know, there's always going to be an, an, a different type of platform, a different type of social media aspect. So I get that. Um, it's the same thing as like books who say like, oh, like there was a book that I read. Uh, and I'm sure this isn't, you know, I, I'm sure this isn't the only book where they'll reference a TikTok. And if you're reading it in the ebook, like some of the KU books, the, at the end of the book, they'll link the TikTok that they were referencing in the book. And it's really like, like you said, it dates it a lot. And you're like, okay, I get it. But, but that's just person that for me and for you, that's clearly like a personal preference. Some people love that and it like adds to their experience. So yeah, it is just, it's one of those things. Jess, you are not a scary horror person. Neither am I, but I'm a little bit more than you. Uh, a lot of people criticism don't like this book because it's scary. How do you feel about that? I had to put the book down during the parts that freaked me out or like the horror, like the body horror really threw me more so in this book than in the Jasmine Throne or the Oleander Sword. And I think probably it was the depiction of bugs too. Um, but I think also when I started kind of doing my own pop culture reference, like I said, the halfway that it is not described the way I like the way it's described is not how I pictured it in my head. It, I had to do that for myself because that's what worked for me with this particular book. Um, but I would read it again and not be so scared. <laughs> but I think this is kind of the extent of thriller. <laughs> for lack of a better word, um, that I, I, I would. It's because it's more body horror than scary, but still, that was a lot. It was it was a lot. I will say that I was not scared. Jesse, you and I talked about this earlier. Uh, yeah. I was not scared during this book at all. Uh, it was made very clear to me 
that Gray was the one to be afraid of, right? She is the one, she is the thing in the night. Uh, so on a reread, when you know that the story is about the monsters, right? Like the sisters are the monsters in the story. The sisters are, yeah. You so have the like, monsters in front of you the whole time. The but whole that's time. Where we've had, we were having a conversation also that you sit with this book after. And I'm saying, like, you're reading this book, you're looking at the parent, like, she's a codependent, she's a narcissist. They're talking about Iris going to university. And Vivi's like, so what's going to happen next year? And the first thing, Viv- uh, the first thing Iris says is, well, we're looking at, like, real estate, we're looking at apartments and stuff. And Vivi goes, wait, what, we? She's like, well, I feel bad. Like, mom's going to be by herself and I'm going to be. She goes, it's not healthy. That's not healthy. And so, like, it's so easy to pass so much judgment while reading this book. And then you get a whole other answer. You find out more background of who the girls are. And you're like, wait, does this change everything that I think? And Laura, you got brought up a great point was that you start wavering because the girls are seven, nine and eleven when gray kills them to save her own sisters and then when you if you take the age out of it you're almost like but i don't i understand where gray is in how fiercely protective it is. so it's very morally gray and you're really kind of sitting with your own at least for me um and laura please step in um where your thoughts were of like you know how people go con- completely switch and like, oh, well, that changes everything. Now she's going to be like, now she's a villain and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. No, I, I I think that it is us imprinting morality on creatures that might not necessarily have those feelings. We do not know what the creatures in the halfway are slash were before they had we're wearing the skin of the original hollow sisters. So like, who are we to judge? Like, you know, and even Iris is, is using her human morality that she learned to judge gray. Uh, and gray is just like, and I'd do it again. I know. What do you want and me to I say? don't blame, and I don't blame her. Like every action, this is where I go back where every action that gray does, I defend it. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah, so do I. So do I. I I I don't know if gray apologist is a thing, but I'm in a gray I'm a gray apologist. Absolutely. Uh yeah. she would do it again to protect her sisters. What's the line? There's no line that she wouldn't cross. Uh you know, yeah. I I think that's fair and uh we were talking earlier uh Jess Sam and Dean did this all the time. All the time. And that's where I had mentioned to you I was like maybe it's my own like internalized misogyny that I have to deal with because I Never question it with Sam and Dean. Maybe I need to reflect on that. Why, you know, why that was happening here. And again, to what you said, but they were like, it's probably because of our own morality and knowing that the girls were seven, nine and 11. So young. I think it's fair to say that I really enjoy this book. Uh, I think uh, based on from what I can glean from you, Jess, you enjoyed this book as well. Uh, If you are listening to this episode and you're like, gee, The Virgin Suicides is really similar to this and kind of vibes and um, aesthetic. You would be right. But if you think that our opinions are the same, then you would be incorrect. I really encourage you to listen to that episode. I am oh, yeah. so stoked to see what y'all think about that um, because you you will be coming from this. So very exciting. <laughs> very exciting all around. Yes. 
feel free to join us on Instagram. We're at Akafe Podcast. We're also both on TikTok, Akafe Laura and Akafe Jessica. And as always, we appreciate you joining us and listening. And um, we hope to talk to you all soon. Bye. Bye.